Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome to Spawn, a common sense, generally fun and hopefully helpful discussion on parenting and parenting culture and the many issues impacting families today. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbiner. I'm the co-founder of CoolMomPicks.com. And today I'm going to be talking with Sarah Hart Unger about organization, in part because I really need to talk to her about this. So hopefully you need to hear about it too. Let me tell you a little bit about her. If you don't know Sarah Hart Unger, she is a physician by trade, specializing in pediatric endocrinology, but she's also a writer and a podcaster with a passion for planning, organizing, and systems. She's the host of Best Laid Plans, the podcast about all things planning and planning adjacent, and she co-hosts Best of Both Worlds with time management expert Laura Vanderkam, where they talk about making work and life fit together. She also is a mom of three kids, ages 5, 8, and 10, and says she's always enjoyed having a lot on her plate, which is good because she clearly does, but she also likes figuring out ways to make everything less stressful and more fun. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the value of building solid planning rituals into our lives and how we can make our lives more organized and streamlined. So welcome, Sarah. Oh my gosh, Liz, that was like the best intro I think anyone has ever done. For me, that was very complete. It definitely encompassed a lot of my passion. So yay, I am so excited to be on Spond. Well, you have many passions and I have many passions. I always say that I never close doors. I just keep opening more doors without closing any of the others, which makes me overwhelmed all the time. But you seem to have somehow managed that. Do you think you were a born organizer or did this come to you over time? I was not a born organizer. Actually, my childhood room was awesome often very messy. And I believe if I told this story in the very first episode of Best Laid Plans, or if I didn't, I should. When I was in the fourth grade, my teacher took my desk out in the hall and dumped it out because it was so messy. And I don't know, maybe that is a little piece of what brought me to this place today, but I don't think so. I think once my life became more and more complicated, I realized that being really haphazard with my various activities was again and again coming back to bite me. And so I knew that because I wanted to do my violin and my cheerleading and my drama and like whatever else I was interested in back then, I needed to come up with really foolproof systems for myself. Going to medical school definitely added another layer of complexity. And then having kids like made everything 50 times more complex in 20 different directions. So it's just kind of evolved with me. But I would not say that I have always been naturally organized because that would be a lie. Do you think that some people are like organized in their heads, but not on their desks? I've always seen like a messy desk is a messy mind. And that's not me. I have a lot of things going on in my head, but I know what's going on in my head. It's just like I can't find the things on my desk. I do think that organization of time and space are two separate things. And I am much stronger with my conceptual organization and my organization of time than I am with my organization of space. To be honest, my spatial sense isn't the best anyway. I keep things at a minimal functional level from a space perspective. But what I'm really, really good at is prioritizing and organizing my time. So I do think those are kind of two separate realms that people don't always make that distinction. Yeah, that's true. And it makes me think about how people who watch cooking shows don't often cook. Do you think people who look at these organization feeds 
to actually want to get organized? Or is it just some kind of vicarious thrill or ASMR sound? I don't know. But that show is one of my favorites to enjoy with my almost 11-year-old. Like we sit there and just watch the rainbows happen. And we have very few rainbows in our own home. Putting it that way, yes, I think that's more vicarious. But the planning side of things and like actually writing things down and actually making lists and prioritizing, my daughter watches me do that. And for the most part, sometimes she actually puts forth an effort and does that. So I'm super excited to see that some of it's aspirational. Some of it might be a little bit more concrete. So how do you get your kids to be organized? Are they naturally organized? Do they learn from you? Or is it like a constant struggle? Like you think about whether chefs cook really well at home. Clearly, I'm hungry today. (laughs) We're like recording it to something I haven't eaten yet. So that's probably why. Do you think organizers have more organized kids or does all your organization work go into like the podcast and helping other people live their lives better? I love to try to help my kids organize and I've had mixed success depending on which of my kids you're talking about. So my oldest really does enjoy listening to my talks about planning and pays attention, but still struggles to stick with any one system. But I feel like she's at least learned a lot about how to like prioritize her homework over the course of the week or make a checklist for the day. And that's really, really fun to watch. My middle child, he does have ADHD and it's a little bit more scattered when it comes to that kind of thing. And we were actually just brainstorming about what might work for him next year. He hasn't had to plan all that much because he doesn't have that much homework yet, but he'll be going into fourth grade next year and the school that our kids go to has kind of like a weekly homework cycle. So I'm thinking whiteboard. I mean, everybody has something different, but I think for certain people, they're going to need to see it. And so I got to be individualized with my kids systems. And for him, I think it's going to be whiteboard. My five-year-old is just a complete ball of chaos. So (laughs) as a five-year-old is, but I appreciate your view that you need to do what's right for the person. And the same thing goes for adults. Like not every system works for everyone. And I struggle with that. Like I finally found Todoist, which works best for me as far as apps. I don't know what works best for you, but for a long time, I felt like I was switching apps every six months. Like nothing ever worked and I just couldn't find the right thing. And I was feeling guilty about it. I'm like in my 40s and I don't have my favorite organization app yet. Like that's something you should have locked down if you're adulting. Yeah, I think there's no one perfect app for anyone. I think the mistake a lot of people use is they spend a lot of time inputting stuff into the app, but they don't really create any rituals or specific rhythms on how they're going to use said app. And if the app isn't inherently fun for them to use, what inevitably happens is they get bored of it and stop looking at it and then it doesn't work at all because because an organizational app that you're not actually referring to on a regular basis isn't actually organizing anything for you. It's just keeping stuff, you know, locked in the cloud somewhere. I'm very agnostic about like which system people should use, but I do feel very passionately that whatever they choose, they need to think through how they're going to use it with a really particular attention to time frequency, which lists need to get looked at when, what reminders do you actually want to have interrupting you, and when are you going to go to these apps seeking the information? That's so helpful. So talk to me a little bit more about this idea of rituals around your organization systems. Yeah. So I've gradually taken to calling it nested goals, but I believe that every time frame from year down to the day should really have its own list and you should have your own specific time and ritual for looking at it. Here's an example. When I start my day, I have to look at my calendar and see what's on tap for the day. I also have to decide, huh, am I going to like do anything else that might get me towards my bigger goals? And for that, I will look at my weekly list. So that means 
means I'm looking at my weekly list once a day. Maybe I'm making a list every week, every month, every quarter, and every year. For me, it works best to actually do each of those. That's why I call it nested, kind of up one level. So each week when I'm making my list for the week, I look at what do I have coming up in the week? And I look at where's my monthly list? What did I want to get done in February? Which of these might fit into this week? And I integrate how I'm feeling and what's on the calendar and what's on that monthly list. Similarly, one could zoom out a whole year. And when you're making your list for February or whatever month it is, you could say, okay, what's on tap for February? What's coming up? But also what big goals did I identify this year and what might be appropriate to put on the list for this month? And so if you know that at every one of those intervals, at every week, you're going to look at your monthly list, at every month, you're going to look at your yearly list or seasonal list, and every day you're going to look at your weekly list, you're looking at everything. Like you've created a system, a ritual, a way that you're going to have these reminders ping you on a regular basis, and you're much less likely to have things fall through the cracks. The other beauty of the system is because you know you're less likely to have things falling through the cracks, you don't have to spend time worrying about that. So you're kind of more at peace when you are going about your day's test because you know that all those bigger things will be addressed at a future meeting with yourself, essentially. Yeah, I'm a big fan of write it down because if not, I realize that I wake up in the middle of the night stressed because I think I'm going to forget something. And if at least I put it down, that's off my plate and it's out of my head. But I struggle with what you're talking about in terms of like, here's my goal for the month. I have certain things where I'm like definitely going to do the big refrigerator clean out or replace my curtains or whatever it's going to be. And then those things often keep getting pushed and pushed and pushed. How do you deal with somebody like me who sometimes has these long-term goals that just stay long-term goals they don't ever get accomplished. So I have two things to say about that. One is sometimes it just takes a lot of tries to get something done, especially if it's something kind of aspirational. And maybe that's just okay. I think it took me more than five years to develop the habit of daily flossing. I've been flossing since 2018, but I probably set the goal in like 2010 and 2012. Like God knows how many years, but like now I do it regularly and we're six years in, so I don't see myself stopping, right? So sometimes it's just gonna take a lot of tries and you just have to be gentle with yourself. On the flip side, some things maybe you have to question like clean out on my fridge because I saw an episode of home edit and it was really (laughs) awesome and I wanted it to look like that or was it because it like really needed cleaning out like you have to ask yourself does this goal really matter to me is the time frame really that important could I maybe like loosen the time frame maybe I just want to clean it once a year I actually have a goal of cleaning my car once a year which is kind of embarrassing but like that's good enough for me well I mean I'm in New York City so you know we're not using it every day I don't know what your car looks like but I can get away with once a year so I was listening to your recent episode on Best Laid Plans, which is wonderful, by the way, for those of you who have not yet listened to it. It's a great podcast. And you were talking about your organizational goals for 2023. What does an organizer have for organizational goals? Well, so that's what I talked about. I'm really, really good at organizing time. Like, I am not going to forget my commitments. I am not going to forget to look at my yearly list or my monthly list. I'm ahead of that. I'm usually the one who's like, guys, the meeting was at one, not at whatever, you know, I got that. But what I'm not very good at is organizing my stuff and my space. And Best Laid Plans is not about that. So I'm trying to get some of my stuff more decluttered and more organized because, again, to me, those are totally separate things. While my baseline is not terrible, one of my goals is to get my house a bit more organized. I love the work of Lisa Woodruff. She's the lady behind Organized 365. And so she's kind of my muse when it comes to organizing space, not time. One of the things, particularly our listeners from Out Tech Your Kids, we have a Facebook group for parents helping other 
other parents with tech tips if you haven't been there yet. It's really fun. And there are so many questions about family calendars. Like, how do you keep everyone organized, especially as your kids get a little older? Your oldest is 10. My oldest is 17. So they're at the point where I'm like, you make the dentist appointment, you put it in the calendar, and then I'll see it. I don't have to do it for you. Do you have any advice on getting family started on a calendar and how to organize that? Yeah, I have two things that I do. One is that my husband and I do have a shared Google calendar. So if there is something that I feel he needs to know about, or if he has something that he feels I need to know about, like something outside of work hours or something like that, we put it on there so we're aware. So I think when my daughter gets a little bit older and is using those tools, she'll become a participant in the shared Google calendar, which is pretty simple. And that's good for nice long range stuff too. But I also feel like there's something really helpful about having a tangible reminder of what is actually going on in a given week. It's not on a screen. And so I love having a whiteboard. It's like simple and obvious, but we have a weekly whiteboard in our house. It's actually like an old version of an Erin Condren whiteboard that I don't think exists anymore. I remember the Erin Condren whiteboards. Yes. The company revamped them. They're clear now. And I'm not sure if they're quite as, I don't know. I love mine. I have an attachment to mine. You love the OG whiteboard. I love the OG (laughs) whiteboard. It has the days of the week and like several lines for each day, equal spaces for each seven days, and then a blank one for the eighth, just for any kind of list. And our life has obviously, as you can imagine, lots of moving parts. Who is taking the kids to school this day? What activities are this day? What extracurriculars are this day? When is your homework due? And what's for dinner? Of course, got to have what's for dinner. That all goes in the whiteboard. It's very gender normative of me, but I'm the one that fills out the whiteboard every Sunday and I send a snapshot both to our nanny and to my husband. And so everybody knows what's going on. Of course, I encourage you and your family to figure out who the best keeper of the whiteboard should be. It does not always have to be the mom. But if it is, the system works really, really well for us. Everybody refers to it. I even refer to it. I always say about calendars, you need to have like one source of truth. And the whiteboard is like the one source of truth. This is what's (laughs) actually happening. (laughs) I love that. So I'm glad you brought up gender roles because I was thinking about that. We talked to Eve Rodsky last year. We've talked to Jess Gross. And we talk about the mental load on women and how women and moms tend to carry that. Even if we're earning more money, even if we're working outside the home, even if we have equal roles in lots of ways in the household with our partners, women tend to still be the keepers of the mental calendar, the keepers of the whiteboard, the keepers of the kids' schedule, the person who remembers, like, we've got to send a thank you note. We've got to RSVP for this party. What are we doing Saturday night? Do the kids have their snow boots ready because it's going to snow next week? That's all in our brains. I'm wondering from your perspective as an organizer, how do we share the load more? Is there like an organizational tip that can help with that? Or is that just something we got to work through with our partners and our therapists? Yeah, I mean, this is so tough, right? That's why people like Eve Rodsky exist. I do think having a tool like a whiteboard can at least help show who's doing certain parts of the labor. So if nothing else, it's a tangible credit giver. It's the gold star. That's a great point. (laughs) And a way for maybe your partner to like recognize how much shuttling to activities and coordination is actually going on versus if there is no whiteboard, that stuff is a little bit more invisible. In that way, the whiteboard might be a positive thing. Otherwise, I'll also just say societally, obviously, we have a lot of work to do. I wish I could make more of a statement in my own home, but I am currently the one with the more flexible role work-wise. So the whiteboard is currently mine. But I encourage families everywhere, if you're able to switch off whiteboard responsibilities, maybe other partner whiteboard week, see how it goes. I love that. I think sometimes it's a control thing. Like it's hard for us to let go of it because we're afraid it won't go the way we want it to. And sometimes we have to just let the people around us fail a little bit to be able to rise. What tips would you give to people who are just constantly disorganized? Like if you're like making a to-do list even feels like another thing on my to-do list. How do you get started when you're just overwhelmed as so many parents tend to be? Yeah. Well, first of all, recognize that you are not alone. This is hard. We're all balancing a whole lot of things. And 
then probably you have stress coming at you from like a lot of different channels, work, family, etc. So you don't want to have that second arrow of shame in saying like, not only are you having a hard time, but you're not organized. Like, no, no, no. The reason you're not organized is because you have so much coming at you. Like, it's okay. So take a deep breath and forgive yourself for whatever mess is currently there. And then if you are able to see if you can carve yourself out some time alone to sit with a blank paper and your calendar and some thoughts and to actually get a brain dump down, because sometimes what is stressing us out more than what is actually all the stuff to do out there is us not understanding what the stuff actually is by taking some time. And that might even mean like taking a PL day just to sit in a coffee shop with your planner or like wherever, you know, to actually delineate what the struggles are and where the pain points are, maybe whether there are certain routines in your household that are just not working again and again, really think through those and write them down and make some master lists that that might be helpful. One thing I advocate for if you're in kind of a period that's like really, really hard, well, of course, getting help if you can from your partner, from your friends, from a therapist, from whoever, like that's number one. Maybe even outsourcing things that don't have to be done by you. But aside from all of that is to create what I call an after the storm list. So you kind of have to triage and go through like what actually needs to happen now? What is urgent? If I don't do camp signups now, they won't have a spot like that's urgent versus like, what could I do in the next six months, but like really doesn't have any calendar and separate those out. Because I think sometimes when you're seeing it all as one mishmash of like everything seems urgent, but not everything actually is by getting out in the open and then creating a list that's like, okay, after things are more calm, after the storm, whatever you want to call it, that can be a helpful way of getting yourself started. And then at least you can come up with a game plan to go forward, to sprint through your next couple of weeks, maybe to catch up. That's very inspiring. And by the way, I wish moms had PL. That would be amazing. If we all had paid leave, wouldn't it? Yes. We're thinking about a parent who's in a job who has maybe daycare or a child care provider because you're right if your kids are home and they're not in school yet different scenario but <laughs> moms do have pl if they're working and there's child care then there is pl to be had yes that is true well sarah hart unger this is awesome you are just a fount of helpful information for people like me and even for the super organized who i'm sure will find even more tips on your podcast best laid plans also best of both worlds you are a busy lady where's the best place to find you you said that you recently got off social media oh yeah not not even that recently. I think end of 2021, I just was like, eh, see Instagram, bye. And I'm so happy. I don't even look wow. at Facebook. I don't look at Instagram. Like my accounts are gone from years ago. It's been wonderful because I get to connect with people in other ways. So the ways are just go to my website, which is the shoebox.com, T-H-E. S-H-U-B-O-X.com, which is my initials. Or of course, you can find my podcast anywhere you get podcasts, Best Laid Plans or Best of Both Worlds. If you're looking for planning, go to Best Laid Plans. If you want work and motherhood, go to Best of Both Worlds. Fantastic. Well, now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. And Sarah, since you're our guest, you get to go first. So we didn't talk a lot about like tangible planning toys or tools. Yeah, bring them all. I believe in them because they make planning fun for some of us at least. And so you're going to plan if you enjoy doing it. And so I think that anything entices you to do more planning and have fun with it is good. If you don't know about Jet Pens, that is my cool pick of the week. It's a website. They sell mostly Asian and Japanese stationary products, excellent pens, amazing paper, great customer service. I have no affiliation with them whatsoever, but I've been a happy customer for more than a decade now and they're awesome. Jet Pens. Fantastic. So what I want to recommend this week for my cool pick of the week is I've mentioned before that I just started a Substack. It's lgumbiner.substack.com. It's called I'm Walking Here. But that's gotten me into so many other Substacks. And like you, I'm spending less time on social media and more time almost like old school reading longer form things that people I love are writing and paying to contribute when I can and supporting their writing. So 
So the one I want to recommend this week, it's called Parents of Adults. It's by our friend Asha Dornfest, who was one of the original co-hosts of the Edit Your Life podcast with Christine Co. And it's lovely. And I feel like there are so few places that parents who have older kids can go for helpful information. Even if your kids are teens or preteens and you want to hear the view of somebody who's just a little bit ahead of you, Grown and Flown has always been a great website. But I love reading Asha's writing on Parents of Adults. She just wrote the most beautiful post I just found. It's called Knowing Them Less. And it's the most incredible subhead. Closeness and distance aren't opposites. And she talks about your kids moving on and leaving home and where you create privacy and boundaries and space and how to still have relationships with your kids. I love it. Her kids are a bit older than mine. And it makes me like maybe a little melancholy, but also not quite so alone in the hunt for information for my kids getting ready to leave me, as they should do. Oh, my gosh. I want to cry just thinking about that post. I love Asha's writing and voice. And that sounds awesome. She is a beautiful voice. And she's a wonderful writer. One of my first blog reads, one of my first blog friends. And I'm so glad that she's published on Substack. And I hope you'll all check it out. Asha Dornfest at Substack.com. Well, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our awesome engineer, John Bowen, and of course, to my guest, Sarah Hart Unger. If you've got a moment and you can leave us a nice review, a five-star rating, should you feel like it, we'd greatly appreciate your time by doing that and also by subscribing. It really helps listeners like you find us and helps support our work. You can also join us in the Spawned podcast community on Facebook, where we chat about show topics and pretty much anything else you'd like to talk about. Or you can find us at Cool Mom Picks on Instagram, on Pinterest, on Twitter, all the places Sarah is not anymore. Thank you so much for listening to Spawned. This is Liz. Have a great day. Hold up. 